0: welcome to episode 27 of the permaculture pimp cast where we discuss permaculture preparedness and practical living how you doing son Good, Dad, how are you? I'm doing good. All right, this is Billy. And this is William. And we are a father-son team laying it down, y'all. So right off the bat, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure a lot of people are probably, <laughs> they probably emailed at this point talking about, hey, uh, you already did episode 25. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: We accidentally <laughs> said the same episode twice.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, so it is what it is. So we're actually, what, 27 now?
1: Yep. How about yeah. that? So, yeah, So last episode was actually 26 where we talked about uh homestead community and building a community for your, for your homestead.
0: Yeah. Well, here we are 27 and, uh, things are crazy. Y'all right off the bat. Just want to look, Hey, if you're listening to this, check us out on the fountain app. tip a pimp.
1: Yeah. Everybody's using that tip a pimp. It's going to be on the shirt one day. Well, somebody left a, a tip saying, yeah, I figured you needed Needed something for that Duluth purchase.
0: That's right. Yeah, boy, you got that right. And PIMP, for those that don't know, I'm going to tell you more often, stands for Permaculture is my passion because it is. And there's a whole lot of passions we get out there. Rescuing children from child sex trafficking, that's also a big passion for us. So, um, we, you know, we're, it's the scourge of humanity, but, you know, we try to take every buck we can and put it towards that. Also, this show brought to you by... Yeah, this is my little commercial, Hickory Ridge Soap. You can get some at twooldcrows.com. Yep, and it, you turn
1: that mangy man into a sexy beast.
0: Bam! That's how we roll. All right, y'all, right off the bat, tip of the day. Okay, it's getting that time. You know, it's really starting to feel like fall around here, and it it wasn't even a gradual thing. It's getting in there. So Yeah, it, we went and came back, and it was cold. Yeah. Yeah, it's been cold during the day, or it feels colder. I mean, it's like in the sixties around here, but at night it does seem considerably colder. It happened all of a sudden too. Well, so it
1: feels cold when you jump straight from eighty to sixty. Yeah.
0: Well, here we go. We're um, it's that time of year where you got to be thinking about your pruning. So while you still got leaves on there, if you got leaves on there, many of your fruit trees are going to have them on still. This is when you want to start. If you, I, I showed a technique a while ago that I do. And it has to do with taking a little bit of tape. um, Let's say it's red danger tape. You can use that yellow stuff. Something that doesn't naturally grow. Something you're going to see. So don't use green or anything like it or browns. Take some of that tape and maybe tie off some of the branches you're thinking about pruning right now. Were they productive? Did they go in the right direction? We're going to talk a lot more. um, We're going to talk more about pruning as uh, things progress. But yeah, right off the bat, think about what you want to prune. You want to start getting an idea, go around to those trees, even though you want to try to do that when the leaves are off, that's usually the best time to do it. Um, you really want to start kind of getting an idea. If you're not experienced at doing it, you want to start getting looking at those trees and think about which ones you want to prune. If you're even pruning, pruning at all, you may want to leave it as a food forest and you don't want to mess with it. So if you do have an orchard, that's a difference also in between an orchard and a food forest. By and large, in a food forest, you're not going to worry about pruning. Although, um, that's, I got to say, man, that's one of the tough things I'm having trouble with because I don't mind pruning.
1: Well, yeah, if you like pruning, it definitely benefits the tree. Um, so, if you like pruning, I, I would suggest doing it.
0: Well, to leave that place as a demonstration site, I kind of need to leave them alone down there. So, unless it's in the line or if it's creating too big an obstruction, I'm generally going to leave it alone so people can see the difference between an orchard and a food forest. So, um, yeah, there's your tip of the day. All right, getting right into the farm news. Wow, uh, we got a lot going on in there, son. We're prepping to go off to the uh, next conference. Mom and I, your mom and I are going to be teaching a. Wow, man, it's real. I can't believe it's there already. So the 30th of September, we're going to have that link down below. Michelle and I are going to be uh, teaching a guild class out of Special Operations Equipment right before the Self-Reliance Festival.
1: A tree planting and guild class. Right.
0: You're really going to get two for one out of that.
1: Well, you're actually going to get three for one. You're going to learn how to plant plant trees. You're going to learn how to install a guild and the thought process behind it. And then also you're going to be planting them on top of swales. So you'll be learning the function and the... Well, basically, kind of how to install a swale without the, the excavator part.
0: Yeah, so you're going to really get a bunch for the money here. John Willis kept saying that. He, he you know, was like, dude, you're really going to be stacking a whole lot into this. So if you want to get there, y'all, I think we got some slots open, but you definitely want to check out the Self-Reliance Festival, especially in light of the things that are going on in this world right now. You yeah. really want to... Look, it is the self-reliance festival. That's really what it's all about. I mean, teaching you not to rely on anybody else, but yourself and the people around you, the people in your personal guild, in your human guild. So uh, you're going to learn how about plant guilds, and you're going to learn how to really get this functional human guild going off and well. So with that going on, what else do we got going here, son? What are you about to get done?
1: Well... Uh, sweet potatoes, right? Oh no, yeah, the sweet potatoes. I'm about to harvest the sweet potatoes. Um, and then mom also, I harvested a bunch of comfrey today, and then mom also uh, divided a bunch of the strawberries today. So she's thinned that out. You can't walk through the food force without walking on strawberries, really. Um, but we also need it for that guild class. Yeah. So and we're then we be also taking... need to plant the other side of the driveway with strawberries as well.
0: But we got no shortage of those, so we're no. going to send a bunch down to my friend Barrett down in Mississippi. We're also going to be taking a bunch of them and hopefully they work down there. I'm real curious to find out. We're going to send a bunch down there. We're going to plant the other side of the driveway. I mean, strawberries are almost invasive around here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we'll I have
1: I, fungal issues if we don't thin them out.
0: So, we're going to we're going to we're going to get that done, but that's also one of those fall things. So, you know, a lot of people kind of easy for us, we haven't typically taken it easy in the winter. Um not ever. And well, I don't think yeah, this is going to be have any less exception. time to
1: get stuff done. You have less sun to get stuff done.
0: Right. And we're still building this place and trying to get, I mean, we still got firewood to get up out of here and we got to do that pretty yeah. quick. As soon as we get back, man, that's going to be a full court press, getting a lot of preparedness things squared away. So that's exactly where we're going with that. What else have we got going on around here? Um, Oh, we just picked up some freezers today. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that was pretty cool. My man Ben out there in uh, well, it's about an hour away from here. Um, He basically has what some people would call a junk business. Basically, he's, um, man, there's a lot of these rich folks around here, and you would not believe what they throw away. Honestly, the stuff you find in the Goodwill around here in the Asheville area or anywhere around here. Or the Habitat Reclaim store. Yeah, this stuff that you find there, honestly, you would be more than happy to buy it off the shelf in a regular retail store. I mean, this is some highfalutin stuff, and then they just, you know i guess they feel better about taking it off and giving it to one of these places you can get it for a song and dance i mean i'm talking this is high quality stuff well he gave us a couple of freezers today and um wow i think yeah i think we're going to give one to justin and they're older but you know what back when they made these things they actually they built them to last i mean it's not going to be like my friend um man i mean it was us also a lot of these new freezers that you can buy off the shelf yeah they put lousy compressors in there And it happened with Nate. I don't know if Nate actually talked about it. I'm not sure how much liberty I should go with it. But basically, he had problems with one or maybe one or both of his freezers. We had the same problem here. But what I was doing, the difference was, is that I was taking some of the meat whenever we'd process a pig. And I'd put it in, I'd separate, I'd spread it out in the freezers. Let it get hard and then put it in one freezer. And it didn't used to be a problem. But honestly, they're making these crappy freezers so awful that the compressors are quitting on them. So if you can get your hands on some of these old ones. In fact, what I used to do, here's another little tip, y'all. What I used to do back in the day was buy secondhand freezers. I remember there was a refrigeration guy I used to know in the trades. And he was saying, look, it's always best to buy them secondhand because they put new compressors in them, and they're better than the ones that were originally in them. So um, that's what we've been doing for a long time. You used to be able to save a little bit of money, but now even the secondhand places where they've rebuilt them, Man, they're pretty high, too.
1: Yeah, and and they're not really that good of quality anymore. I remember we had issues with it. Was it in Texas? There was that one guy in Texas.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that was a dude. It was up there in Ashdown, Arkansas, where I got that one. And I brought it back. It was like a commercial thing. And then I had to turn back around a week later, take it into him. He says, well, I told you not to turn it off. And I'm like, hold on a minute. What do you mean you can't turn it <laughs> off? Didn't you fix this thing? Yeah. I mean, what do you mean don't turn it off? I got to get it home. So, yeah, there were a couple of dopes over there that really had no business messing with any of this stuff. I'm glad I didn't. I mean, if you can get one of the ones that, you know, he says, I'll give you a 90-day guarantee or whatever. Well, right when I turn the thing on, you can hear the thing knocking. But, you know, do your due diligence. Go to some of these places where they actually put in good compressors. But even those things are hard to find, y'all. I mean, things are getting weird and getting tough. So that kind of brings me into world news. Okay, I guess you uh, got to be under a rock if you don't know what's going on with the Nord Stream pipeline heading from basically Russia. Nord Stream 1, America, by the way. Of course, the prostitutes aren't telling you this. We encourage them never to turn on Nord Stream 2, so that's not even an option. But lo and behold, Nord Stream 1 um, basically got holes in it. Hmm, I wonder who could have done that. Yeah, So yeah. Even if the Russians wanted to turn it on, it can't be turned on. I mean, it's... It's dreadful, y'all. I mean, what is, look, we're not about the doom and gloom in this podcast or pimp cast, but look, I got to keep it real. Barring a miracle, there are going to, you are, i said it before, I'm going to say it again. Like Shakespeare said, now is the winner of our discontent. And it is going to be very, very rough over there, barring a miracle. Barring a miracle, because we're talking about, that pipeline was already touch and go to begin with. They had part 2 that was ready to rock and roll, and because of all the nefarious nonsense going on, Russians are like, "Okay, well we'll send our stuff to India and China. You know what? They'll buy it." And um now somebody, I mean uh, apparently there's some sabotage going on. Nobody seems to know who, but hmm, who benefits? Ask
1: yourself that. Well, and now India takes the the oil Flips it and then sells it to everybody else for a higher yeah, price. Yeah, what too. a
0: concept. Yeah, India's like, yeah, we'll buy your discount oil, turn back around and then sell it on the world market back to us or anybody else. Yeah. But um, even still, man, I mean, Germany, I mean, this is like national suicide, y'all. I mean, I'm not, I'm not. This isn't hyperbole, and I've been reluctant to even talk about this stuff for the longest time. But look, y'all, we're not a Pollyanna pimp cast. That's not what this ain't. This ain't called the Pollyanna Pimp Cast. We're gonna lay it down the way it is, and that would be an oxymoron. Yeah, there you go. Well, look, it's um, it's gonna be rough over there, and uh, my heart goes out to these people in the most massive way. But what really aggravates me to no end is that every single bit of this, every bit of it, is contrived and controlled, and it's all one, and it, it just. Burns me up to no end that they're playing games with these people's lives over there. I mean, I don't even know how what the I, I don't want to talk about death souls or anything like that, but barring a miracle. I mean, from what I understand, they're cutting down entire old growth grow forests. Yeah. In anticipation of what's about to unfold right now. Well, that would ain't exactly season, but hey, man, I guess you get it hot enough. You can get it going.
1: Well, Mike Adams had a good point. I think it was on today's episode. He said, yeah, shut down all these organizations and
0: the problems will fix themselves. There you go. Yeah. Just like Bill Mullison said, Eric Sider gave me a shirt and I said it before that, you know, the problems seem to be getting more and more complex, but the solutions are embarrassingly easy and simple. They really are. I mean, just get a lot of the people running these things out of the way. And lo and behold, I mean, like France, I mean, for, for crying out loud, if you wanted to know anything about the nuclear industry, you would always go to the French. I mean, they had so many nuclear powerhouses in France. It would, it would blow your mind. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, we're going to get green. And now where is it? You know, even the French, even, even the people running Europe right now, they are all saying, and of course, nobody, not not fixed news, not the prostitutes at CNN, not any of these people are talking about the fact that all of this is unfolding. And I don't know who at their right mind would be getting their news from those people at this point anyway. But this is all contrived and controlled. And guess what? You're thinking, okay, well, the majority of the people listening to this pimp cast, although there are some living and listening in other countries, which really shocked me. Um, You know, if you think for a minute that it ain't coming here, I got news for you. I mean home heating oil is about to be a real problem. I mean I was talking to Justin in Metcalf Mills a couple of weeks ago and these old folks around here, man, it's touch and go as far as how they're going to they they barely made it through last year. But somehow we got another 12 billion earmarked to send over to yeah. Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. We got that money for them. But somehow these old folks over here, I guess I'm, you know, I'm nearing that age of being an old folk myself. But a lot of these folks, man, they depend on this home heating oil we got no way to help these folks out. But we got somehow another 12 in addition to all the other money. We are propping up Ukraine's entire government. We're paying them. We don't even, the money has no paper trail to it. We don't even know where it's going. Probably in the hands of some Ukrainian oligarch over and there.
1: That's why it's being sent over there because there is no paper trail and it's not actually helping anybody.
0: There you go. And I'm supposed to worry about, look, you know, my heart goes out to you folks over there. Uh, likely somebody in Ukraine is listening right now. My heart goes out to a lot of you folks over there, but you know what? That would be like feeding my neighbor down the road, two miles down the road that I barely know. Meanwhile, my family's, you know, starving half to death. This makes no sense to me. and I, And quite honestly, it just pisses me off to no end because I'm sitting here looking at these people and I know they're going to suffer. We got plans in place. We're trying to partner with a local grocery store. I don't usually talk about any of the things we do like this, but... Folks, I'm going to tell you, I mean, we try to keep things on the upbeat, but I'm just going to tell you straight, went to this local grocery store. It's a, it's a chain around here. I won't say the name. And I went in there and I said, Hey, look, um, well, let me back up a little bit. It all started by being in the deli, picking up something. And the guy in there that I see pretty often, he works in the deli, me and him talk from time to time. And he's basically telling me, Hey, there's this old Korea vet, man. He used to buy stuff. He'd buy this meat quarter pound at a time. A lot of the other folks would too. Now they just pass by and they wave. And uh, they can't afford even a quarter pound of what is going on at the deli. And, you know, I mean, I don't know who buys a quarter pound, but, man, you got to be in a bind. So here it is, old Korea war vet. Can't even buy the meat that he used to. A lot of other folks, he's like, he sees them. He knows their spending habits because he'd see them in a regular time. A lot of these folks are pretty regular. And now all of a sudden they just pass by. He said he looks at their cart. And they ain't got nothing in it. So I went to the uh, manager of this store. it has been, what, three three weeks ago now? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I, I go to him and I say, look, hey, uh, would you guys be interested in matching dollar for dollar? Look, if we could get some money donated over here. Um, if I, I say, look, if I can get some money donated, if we could donate money here, would you guys be willing to match us dollar for dollar and put out, Gift certificates to the, uh, people that are having trouble around here. And maybe you guys, because you're aware of who these people are, maybe you guys could hand them out. Um, nobody needs to know we're involved. You just hand them out. So he says, man, you know, he's very thankful. He says, man, it sounds like a great idea. I'll send the email up to corporate. So I see him, uh, last week or yeah, it was about last week and he hits me up. He says, Hey, I didn't forget about you. So I said, Hey, so what's the deal? You know, I figured maybe you'd get an answer back by now. And he's like, well, you know, corporate, they're probably going to say no. I'm like, why would they say no to that? I mean, he says, no. I mean, honestly, um, if they can't get some kind of, um, if they can't do it store wide, if they can't do it everywhere and take your donation and just distribute it. I'm like, dude, I live here. I don't want my money going anywhere else. I want it going here. If you guys willing to match me or not? And then he's like, um, look, man, I'll be honest with you. The answer is probably going to be no. Well, I'm like, well, you got my cell phone and just let me know. So. Um, look, we'll go it alone if we have to, I don't, it would be nice because we could, you know, take out even more money, but that's how hard things are. So we got $12 billion, $12 billion to give to a bunch of oligarchs over there, but we don't have money for these old folks that are out here suffering. And you wonder why I'm pissed off. So look, y'all, we'll try to pick it up a little bit here when we come back. But honestly, this whole thing just aggravates me to no end.
1: Get into that language, going right to left like a manga, then left to right day in anguish. My a little different years don't make me better than you, though, because it took me time to see the
0: truth, to see the end game like a Russo. But that'll mean a bad thing when we come together and destructible,
1: I just got the, the Russo uh, reference in there. Can't see the end game like I'm a Russo. The Endgame, Avengers, Russo brothers producing it. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that was lost I just on not me. Got that one.
0: Okay. Punchline. I didn't even understand. <laughs> I mean, a lot of these guys, I can't understand. So that was Van Tesla again. We're using the same music from the last podcast. We're uh, we're we're going to get better at this, folks. But I, right. I think you would appreciate that we just our content hopefully is on point. Hopefully you enjoy it. And we're going to pick it up a little bit. We're going to talk about happy things at this point. And it does, as always. Like a tapestry lead from one thing to the other. Okay, we're going to talk about passive food production. Um, And it's all part of permaculture. It really is. So we've talked about it before, but I want to kind of pinpoint it a lot more in this episode. And what do I mean by that? I don't know why, but if you go to YouTube, by and large, most YouTubers out there, a lot of people out there, only think about things in an annual way, son.
1: Right. And when they do think perennial, they think very, very small. Like it's only a handful of uh, fruit trees here. It's only a handful of blueberries over here and they're like segregated. And then it's just not done to the full extent that it could be.
0: Right. If you're making your, um, well, think about this. Okay. So you got your annuals, you got your tomatoes, you got this and that, you know, everybody knows what the annuals are. Okay. You put the seed in the ground, they come up hopefully, And then you, uh, you know, take it, eat it, save your seeds, and then you're back all over again. Well, the benefit, think about this. Think about this from a preparedness standpoint, even. And hopefully it'll be in my book, Tactical Permaculture, if I ever can manage to get it written through this winter. Check this out. Imagine being able to have your own private grocery store. We talked about it a moment ago. And you can go out there, and it's getting that time of year where you got your apples, okay? Yep. And I love apples for a whole variety of reasons. Number one, this is part of that passive food production I'm take, I'm talking about. Hang with me. Okay. Apples are coming up at that time of year where pretty much everything else is dying back. So think about what you can do with those. If you get the right variety of apples, they keep for a long time. Um, I always reference that book, Old Southern Apples by Lee Calhoun. Right. And he always talked about in that book how when Sherman's March to the Sea went on, man, they destroyed everything. They made the South look like Godzilla walked all over it. And um, I believe there was a quote, um, it is well that war is terrible, lest we should grow too fond of it. Now, I don't know if it was uh, Sherman or Robert E. Lee that actually said that it might have been even Stonewall Jackson. I'm not sure. But, you know, the desolation of war is not something we should ever court. Um but when they went through there, the South had tons and tons of apples through here. The uh, slaves he describes used to take them, you know, dry them, stick them up on a roof, and then they'd have them forever in a day. Well, think about it. Right now, with this apple production that's going on this time of year, and man, this is where I really start getting excited, y'all, because ever crisp apples look like they're going to happen, and I am going to be first in line when they come down at granddad's orchard until ours get up and running because we act we actually bought the patent on those so i can't wait for us to have them
1: yeah and also keep in mind with your uh apple trees specifically around here a lot of people have apple trees and you can spot it while you're driving by because they're all trained the same exact way so maybe with your apple trees don't train them if you're trying to keep things secret and and uh not easily noticed then maybe don't train your apples because i noticed that i mean you can drive by just driving to burnsville and stuff like that you can see apple trees all over the place especially in the front yard yeah and they're all they're all trained but another thing i notice is that you see all these trained trees at the orchard and stuff like that but you don't see any trees being trained or the succession of trees yeah
0: yeah that's true now they're gonna they're doing it i think well, obviously, it's gonna it's gonna kick up production quite a bit. It's telling that thing to be a fruit tree instead of a tree tree, and there's a place for both of them. Um, I I, get, I like I like having both on the property. But as far as this passive food production, I want you to think about something, y'all. Especially as we're coming into this time of year, I'm gonna give away some more secrets uh, that I typically only give it live. Um, you know, a live demo not. Uh, Live discussions, okay? I'm probably going to talk a lot about it here coming up at the Self-Reliance Festival when I give my talk there. Now, think about this. Now, apples, if you got... Now, I'm saying this from a farm standpoint also. Not only can you get those apples like, let's say, an Arkansas Black, which ain't very good when it's fresh. No, they're not. They're really disappointing fresh. Yes, but they will keep forever and a day. We talked about this before, but I'm going to put an exclamation point on it. you got an Evercrisp, which is a fantastic apple, and it keeps forever and a day. We found that out two years ago. you got a bunch of other apples that will keep for a very, very long time, but the beauty about an apple is that it goes really well with savory dishes, and it also goes very well, obviously, with sweet dishes. So you got those apples that you can keep for preparedness. But let me tell you what else we do with them. Now, this is a secret I'm going to give away right now. Go to your local apple orchard, okay? And they got to typically pay somebody to come out there and pick up those fallen apples. You could fill up your truck, probably down in, in Hendersonville. That's where a lot of the orchards are, right? You could probably fill up your Truck, your truck let's say just one orchard 50 times and you would barely make a dent in yeah. all the apples that are on the ground that they can't sell right. so what can you do with them bring them back to the house some of them are actually edible well yeah some of them are that.
1: edible they just hit the ground that's the only issue with and them. they can't sell them yeah so they so, gotta leave them there but you could also make a uh, cider Yes, you could. You could cider. you can make cider and you could ferment that if you're looking for bartering items, or I mean, you could even use it for personal if you wanted to, but if you're looking for like long-term storage, uh, bartering items, that would be a good one,
0: man. That's one of my favorites. I go there. You could fill up that truck and guess what? You got pigs, you got chickens, you got feed nephew. You got all that stuff. Even if it goes rotten, man, those chickens don't care. You're going to make compost out of it anyway. So it'll be a good addition to your chicken tractor on steroids or just your regular compost pile. You can compost that stuff. But believe me, there's a whole lot we took Justin's kids with us last year and we were oh, picking yeah. them up off the ground. I mean, I go I'm gonna go down there and I am going to fill that truck to the brim. Now it's a blessing to the guy that runs the orchard. Yeah. I'm not gonna say which one it is. Um probably invite some folks along and you know did,
1: so. did Charlotte actually put any in the basket or man. did she just eat all of them?
0: <laughs> she was sitting there well I dude. remember she she got a sugar overload yeah dude I had that kid man I dropped her off to Justin with a note on her saying all right take care of her <laughs> you know I mean basically we we got her I mean of course you you can make it a real outing you go there you, of course you got the fresh apples you're gonna you gonna walk away with those um also the real cool part of it is is honestly apple donuts, all those beautiful fall things, you know, pumpkins are coming around. I mean, there's that part of fall, man, where it's just, it it takes me back to when I was a kid, happier times when I was a kid living, you know, growing up in Pennsylvania at the time. I mean, there was a lot of really cool things. I mean, My earliest fondest memory of farming had to do with apples. So going back to that passive food production, Think about all these doggone trees you could be planting. And like William said, everybody thinks of it in isolation. We don't plant our trees in isolation. We put in at least a trio in accordance with what uh, Stefan Subkoviak teaches. But we also throw in methods from uh, Mark Shepard. We throw in some Elaine Ingham. We even give it a little side of um, Jeff Lawton and Bill Mullison. There's probably 12. If I count them up, there's probably 12 influences into how we do our orchards. So if yeah. there's anything that we're excluding, I was going to say
1: there's way more than that, but then you said in our orchard.
0: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's one thing that somebody actually pointed out at this last festival. Um, something we really ought to chronicle is how we've taken the very best from all these right. different influences. And if anything, I mean, if we have a method of our own, there's some things that we've invented uh, a few, but by and large, we cut and paste the best elements of all these fantastic educators and we put it into our I guess you can call it our system
1: which should be very encouraging to everybody because that that takes the pressure of creating anything new off your shoulders you can literally just copy and paste whatever you, everybody else or what other people are doing for like Take what works best for you and just copy and paste it on your own place. You don't have to come up with anything new.
0: Well, Jeff Lawton had talked about that before. Is that, and he, I mean, it was pretty shocking to hear him talk about it, is that so many people are wanting to act, so many people are wanting to be very, very original. So they come up with some avant garde method that hasn't been proven, hasn't been done anything for the effect of being famous on YouTube. And that still goes on, y'all. So we're not taking anything that hasn't been tried, anything that we haven't done before. But going back to our passive food production, um, even I'm talking about the fall because that's where we are. And apples are obviously the, the the biggest thing. But really, let's say you had apple. And let's say you had a couple of cultivars or a few cultivars of apple. You really ought to if you yeah. can. Let's say some are going to come around, let's say, late September. Some are gonna kick in early October. Maybe you want to set yourself up with a bunch of different apples that not only are gonna do well in your place if you can grow apples, because frankly, I mean, you got the iron shimmer apple, you got other ones that really do well even in warm climates. Yeah. I yeah, mean there's a ton of apples, y'all. Yeah. And they you got a bunch and every orchard you'll find will pretty much sell the same doggone yep. apples. Yeah. Now we do have some down in Hendersonville that have
1: some of these um some heritage breeds, or not breeds, but heritage uh, cultivars and stuff like that. Some Which old I love, southern man. varieties.
0: Yeah, like this one that came, you know, Thomas Jefferson was eaten, and a number of others. I mean, some that go way, way back. You know, you may not have that available in your place, but...
1: You know, it is still weird to me to view view this area as the south. It is still weird to me. Yeah. This is still north to me.
0: Yeah, I know. It feels north, but yes, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not the south we're used to. Yeah, Not the deep south, but... um. Yeah, or the deeper south. Um, maybe not the deep, deep south, but, <laughs> but anyway, we got we got this option of being able to grow all these different things. And folks, we're missing the boat. We find so many people out there who are, you grow two different types. Maybe okay, think about your peaches. You got peaches that are going to come around early, come around midway, come around at the end. Even blueberries, you're going to find them that hit early midway and down at the end that's exactly what we ought to be doing and plus it gives you a break on your harvest well
1: also different different cultivars of uh like fruit trees and stuff like that require different frost hours so if you have uh let's say five different cultivars of apples some of them could be they could require a lot of frost hour or chill hours um, and then some of them could require just a few chill hours that way, if you have a weird uh, weather event, or you have like a very very mild winter, or a short winter, or a very long winter, or intense winter, you have apples to cover both scenarios.
0: Exactly, where we talked about it before, where um, you know, last year those uh, Evercrisps didn't come around because it got a late frost. Well, they lost everything because they didn't, they weren't, they weren't hedged, they weren't insulated with different varieties and cultivars, so think about that and here's well, another hit little... on
1: that that that's a big
0: point is that if you have different
1: cultivars you're you're uh pest proofing your orchard really it's going to confuse the uh the predator bug not the predator bugs oh i mean the yeah, yeah bugs the pests. And stuff like that it's going to confuse them and they might just skip on over your homestead
0: well you know what they may just wipe out one type right. of apple and honestly if you got pest issues you got soil issues nephew you really do i mean that goes right back to fukuoka 101 and Nine times out of ten, it's a soil problem, and uh, it's not a genetic issue, as a lot of people like to say. So you get the soil right, a lot of other things come around. But I'm also going back to Mark Shepard. I'm only going to baby you so much, man. I'm going to put, I'm going to give you some, uh, I might give you some cardboard. I'll give you maybe a little bit of compost. Throw some wood chips on top of it. Yeah, we we do a lot of that because we produce a lot. But outside of that, you start getting diseases, Jack. Up you go. You're yeah. you're not a tree that bears good fruit, so down you go. Um here the biblical reference there. So I mean also uh, another thing to think about too. When you're setting up your trees, and we're talking exclusively about trees, folks. I love trees. That's one of my big passions there. I love pruning trees. I love everything about them. But one thing that Stefan Subkoviak came up with and I think it's I think it's a fantastic idea. We have yet to set it up that way as we develop our orchard here. I actually want to do it where he has Every tree in that line, in any particular line, will come around. Let's say it's a peach that's going to come around. And let's say.
1: Oh, yeah. I like his organization for yeah. his rows. Yeah. yeah. So
0: every row, every cultivar in that row will come around at exactly the same time. Yeah. So you're not jumping over this row, hitting this row. Everything down that row is going to come around at the same time. And then let's say it's early, let's say it's early uh, July. And then the next one, let's say it it typically comes around in the second week of July, so on and so forth. So he tries to organize things so you're not killing the whole area with a bunch of foot traffic where you go in, you hit it hard, you get your harvest, whether it's, you know, maybe you're getting your blueberries and your, um, your peaches at the same time.
1: Right. And I wouldn't recommend planting your orchard like that to begin with. That takes a lot of planning and a lot of experience. And keep in mind, he also inherited his orchard.
0: Well, he, he took it, he tore it all
1: down too. Yeah. Yeah, part of it he inherited, the other part he built. Um, but what if you're inheriting like uh fruit trees and stuff like that? On your, Let's say you bought a property, um, it has a house on it, and let's say five fruit trees. What if you're in Ben and Denise's situation, right? And you have super old um, apple trees, what would you do in that situation? Well, it,
0: I mean, every time when people run into that situation, in fact, I know a lot of people that have come into that situation every single time. I can't think of a single time where those trees were ever taken care of. No, I can't think of a single time. Anybody bought property that had fruit trees on them that had any care whatsoever. And so what you're going to need to do, I mean, they're usually structured poorly. uh, They're going in 10 different directions. Nobody looked after them. And it's really not that hard to bring them back into production. Most Mm -mm. of the time, you remember don't prune more than a third of a tree in a year. Typically, now I have pushed the envelope on that one, especially with that peach out yeah, back. Yeah, that peach
1: out back, I think I
0: think it was about half that one year. Well, it was touch and go. It was definitely more than a third. But what we noticed automatically was now all of a sudden we're finding less pest issues. <laughs> and also and finding moth, fruit. <laughs> well, yeah, we got fruit that we can actually eat, and it's the yeah. best tasting fruit. So as we're building the soil, we're finding out that first year, just about everything was damaged by codling moth. And then as we pruned it, it seemed to get a lot stronger. We got a, we got a black locust right next to it that we need to prune.
1: And there's the, uh, was it buckwheat and cowpea right
0: right below it? Absolutely. Harboring the predator insects. That's right. So what we did there, we had a tree out back. It's the best peach I've ever had. It, it doesn't have a name more than likely. It was somebody threw a peach pit up there and guess what? A tree came out. And the beauty about this is that it is a fantastic peach I would love to be able to, uh, graft it, which I will do, but I wanted to make absolutely sure, but I'm proving that these methods work. Whereas before it was absolutely not doing any good. And then now we're seeing improvement every single year just by pruning. So if you get on a property and you already have apple trees there, any kind of fruit trees, you're going to want to, you're going to want to know how to prune, um, Unless you want to just keep it the way it is. I mean, it's nothing wrong with leaving it that way. Yeah. But if it's structured poorly, and you could also harvest some of that, wouldn't use it in your barbecue.
1: But you also might not be getting any fruit out of the tree, and right. you could be getting fruit out of the tree. Like that one peach uh, last year produced like two peaches maybe, right. and they they all got destroyed except for that one section you were able to taste. Um, but, um, but this year you pruned, I mean, you pruned last year. And then this year that tree was about to break with all the fruit.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what's up. And then also I'm finding out that in some of these places where they inherit, they tell them, well, that apple never produced. Well, guess what? It needed a friend. You uh, got yeah. Nothing to poll- <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't just have <laughs> a <big> single one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, a lot of these guys need friends. So they got, or they need- you killed all the pollinators. There you go. You, you've been spraying your garden with seven dust or whatever the case And then whatever the case may be, you're not getting exactly what you need out of there. But folks, we are absolutely missing the boat in terms of permaculture, in terms of homesteading, in terms of preparedness, and that all three can overlay with one another. And I think they should. But if you're not putting trees in your landscape and you're in the preparedness, you're not really thinking, you're not even, look, I'm going to tell you straight, you are definitely missing the boat when it comes to your resupply plan on your homestead if you don't have perennials out there.
1: And we've been talking about trees a lot, but also keep in mind that there's other layers of that food of that forest that you can install that are perennial as well. Um, or even like the annuals you can pick that reseed themselves like cowpea that reseeds itself every two weeks. Uh, that Tulsi basil that reseeded itself everywhere. Um, we've had a bunch of volunteer uh, squash, well,
0: some things are annual that wind up being perennial, depending on where you live.
1: That, that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. like these annual species, uh, we've noticed, keep reseeding themselves. So yeah. pay attention to what keeps reseeding itself and propagate those species.
0: And you may find it in a place that may be way far away from where you originally planted it. Let's say it didn't like that area. <laughs> but it's, the seed knows. <laughs> right. But the seed knows. I mean, exactly. It'll find its way, whether through the back end of a bird or whether it just... Blew down there, whatever the case may be. And then, wow, it found itself on real fertile soil, and all of a sudden, it's taken root. Or, in our
1: case, a gust of wind came and blew our greenhouse down when we first moved down here and knocked seeds everywhere.
0: Yeah, yeah, that old stuff growing everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, that greenhouse we took from Texas, man, that was a, boy, that was a calamity. And that was all my fault, too, because, hey, um, yeah, I won't go into that again. But, folks, going back to the perennial things, Think about, you got seven layers of a forest. Can you put up a perennial system? And right now we're getting into fall, y'all. This is the best time to put in your bare roots. Think about it. It's going to put down all those awesome roots right through uh, through the fall and winter. Spring rolls around, bam, that thing is off and running.
1: It's going to be harder to get your support species and your guild varieties uh, during the fall, but you can go ahead and get your trees in. Don't feel like you have to plant everything in all at once. The reason we are in this class uh, is because it makes sense to for a class.
0: Yeah, it really does. While we're already out there, it just makes good sense to do it. And plus, you're going to learn a whole lot right now.
1: And a lot of these we had to kind of acquire ourselves.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it was tough to find a lot of this stuff right now, so you know maybe that's an opportunity for somebody in the future it certainly is i think in the future for us but think about the seven layers of a forest let's say you're putting in your shrub layer well now, the way we do it we flank on two sides of that thing it's going to have a blueberry and then we're going to have a nitrogen fixing shrub yep well who's to say you're not putting in some nitrogen fixing shrubs i mean they're they're perennial yeah and some of them, them you can
1: eat yeah some of them you can eat uh what was it, like Siberian Siberian pea shrub? Yeah, you can turn you can it into absolutely. jams and stuff like that. Also, the I don't know if you want to eat that one by itself. I think it's pretty astringent. Well, no, but there was also a, the goji.
0: Yeah, exactly. And there's that's a, a
1: superfood as well.
0: Yeah, there's exactly. So if you got seven layers of a forest, maybe in your overstory, is there something you can put in there that you can eat? What about your understory? Can you eat that? Obviously, that's going to be your fruit tree a lot of times. Your, your overstory could very well be your fruit tree. Um, your shrub layer, we just talked about that your herbaceous layer. Okay. We have a lot of edible stuff in there.
1: Yeah. Even the um, ground it would be cover easier to tell you what's not in there. Exactly. So when e- people ask us, what do we farm? It's almost easier to tell them what we don't farm. Yeah. Yeah. It <laughs> we would don't be easier. have goats. Oh
0: well, yeah. We ain't never going to have <laughs> any more goats, man. I'm done with those guys. Um, but even a ground cover, I mean, yeah. good night. It's, I mean, those strawberries are absolutely edible. We got, yeah when strawberries ground
1: cherries i mean there's a bunch of perennial edible options for ground or for a ground cover
0: right all these layers y'all think about it when you're putting in these fruit trees they don't have to be in isolation we're giving you a demonstration right there at the youtube channel you can find it you can see it you can replicate it you can do it your own way
1: or your ground cover could be your annual production until your perennial outshades your annual production absolutely which is a centropic method
0: Well, we've done that. We've given numerous examples. In fact, some of the sweet potatoes you're going to be pulling out are in that kind of position, which is
1: another awesome ground cover. There's a lot of root vegetables that act as vines and ground cover that can act that way. Um, especially if you're in the subtropics or tropics, like, uh, there's climbing yams. If you get a plant, if you get a climbing yam planted and established, you have food forever. That it's kind of like comfort. You're never going to harvest all of it. And it's just going to keep climbing that tree.
0: Um, and what if they got a version that we could use around here. I mean, how cool would that be?
1: I'm 100% sure they do. We just don't know it yet. Well, I mean, the, the amount of root vegetables and tubers and stuff like that we can eat that just we don't have access to are insane.
0: No, it's not that we don't have access to. I remember listening to Joseph Simcox one time. I was at a uh, Missouri growers conference, and they brought him in there. And I remember that guy came real close for me telling him to shut up cuz I didn't know who he was at the time. <laughs> and he was in there there was a lady up front doing a class and he kept interjecting. He was it was very distracting at the time. I didn't know that they were actually working together. So uh he was he works for Baker Creek. But what I learned from him it was extraordinary. All these different people he was citing That had taken something, let's say, that grew in Peru. Like, let's say that climbing yam. Yeah. It just happened to be, I'll just pick on Peru. It wasn't Peru. But are all these different tubers he was talking about that are Mm -hmm. perennial that could possibly more than likely be adapted to. I mean, and he was leaning towards all these awesome perennial crops, which, by the way, he had my attention on that. If I could ever get two minutes to rub together, I want to try to I want to look into those types of things. You and know where the food that's in the
1: grocery stores—it's not picked out based on what tastes the best, what's the most nutritional, like dense uh, food or anything like that. It's based off what can be cultivated easily, what can store for a long time, and what can be shipped easily.
0: And what it looks like on the shelf. I yeah. mean, they're looking at. Yeah.
1: I mean, potatoes. I'm I'm positive potatoes, regular potatoes, cannot be the best tasting tuber available to us, especially
0: well, especially compared to sweet potatoes. Yeah. I mean, when you sit here and wait, and well, just look at the potatoes we grow. These were triple or double organic uh, that your mom picked up from this lady. What that does was that mean? Uh, it, it was something to do with that certification. I can't remember exactly, but I will say, have you tried any of those potatoes that we harvested? I mean, you yeah, try those the, and compare them to anything you buy in the store. Right. It is They actually have flavor. They're not just mush, you know, like the stuff and, you buy in the store. And even then... I think we can find a better
1: tasting tuber, sweet potatoes, I, I'll pick a sweet potato over a regular potato every day.
0: Not me. I mean, yeah. I'm the other way, but I don't mind sweet potatoes. But at the end of the day, son, that's exactly what I'm encouraging everybody out there to do. Find not just some tuber; it may be a starch, whatever. It's a you know, it's a calorie crop. But is there one that's perennial? Like yeah. you're talking about with this climbing uh, yam. And climbing yam
1: is a broad term. Um, there yeah. are a lot of climbing yeah. yams. There yeah. are a lot of them,
0: but I, I, I'll bet money that there is one that is totally suited for a lot of environments of the people that are listening right now. Well, that's perennial. That's your look. This is that passive food production. Look, y'all, we we said all this. We wait. We we kind of were weaving this tapestry from the very beginning. Look, I'm not going to lie to you, and I've been trying to avoid even talking about this stuff. And as we talked about before, I'm look. I'm going to keep it real. If we don't find ways to handle our resupply, we are in a bind. I'm here I'm here to tell y'all. So be thinking about those fruit trees, those uh, fruit bushes, every single layer, all seven layers. If you're putting in this food forest, if you're listening to us, you know what we're talking about. If you don't, yeah. go to the YouTube channel and find out. Um, you can find playlists. You can find all the times we've talked about this sort of thing. Find a perennial for every single layer. Just start with one. Okay, so let's say you got your fruit trees, okay? And just find out what seven layers of a forest are, okay? Start there and then say, is there an edible overstory could I use? An edible understory? Is there an edible shrub? So on and so forth, all the way down. And if you can do that and you can still put plenty of nitrogen out there and you can replicate all seven layers, then you guess what? You got a pretty doggone legit, serious resupply plan because in these times, We can't count on the grocery store. I mean, for crying out loud, I can't even get these people to match me dollar for dollar to feed old folks, okay? I can't even get them to do that. Their own customers. There you go. It's their own customers. Exactly. And I'd be footing
1: 50% of the bill. I mean, our response to a customer, like one of
0: our customers that's starving, would be completely different. That's a very good point, son. But that's why I'm saying nobody's coming to help you. I hate to tell you all this, and I know nobody wants to hear it, but I got to be honest with you. So work on your own resupply plan, and the number one easiest way to do that is through perennial crops. Very few people are telling you that. This is exactly what I've been getting at. Okay, it's cool to have animals, but let's just say you don't have the benefit of being, let's just say you don't have the ability to go to the store and buy the feed that you're reliant on. Well, not only can these perennials, especially when it comes to your omnivores, if you produce so much, or in the meantime, let's say you're not there yet, well, go to the orchard like I was just telling you a minute ago. You are a blessing to them because now they don't have to go out there and pick it by hand. A lot of these are mom-and-pop operations. they got to hire somebody to come do that. If you can save them the money for that, you'd be a blessing to them, they'd be a blessing to you. It's a double-edged sword. It goes all the way back. Think about every single possible way, folks, that you can work these perennials. Is there anything you would add to that, son? I just
1: use every layer of a forest. that That's really what I would focus on. Don't just focus on the tree. Think of everything that goes along with the tree.
0: How many times do we plant these trees and we plant them in isolation? Well, folks, I hope you're learning from us that you don't and you shouldn't have to do that. You got room for shrubs. They got room for everybody and everything you've been taught. Look, if you go to these orchards, that's why they got to spray these things by and large. And there are some organic orchards out there. We got a few here and they're the first ones to run out of all their stuff. And they can charge, I think, 10 to 20% more than everybody else. And you look at how they're operating things. And even some of the organic orchards, y'all. Uh, you'd be shocked at what you're allowed to call organic these days.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of. I mean, cyanide is organic. <laughs> well, I there's a lot of organic compounds that are still toxic to you.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but a lot of what under organic standards, if you knew what they were allowed to still spray, you wouldn't be calling it organic. When we get back, y'all, we're going to be talking about some Q and A. Once been confronted with so much crazy stuff. We should be able to find the truth, but they make it tough. You think the news would tell you, but most of that they've been making up. For anyone who's good, there's a John Wilkes booth. All the Jedi's lying dead while the Sith grow roots. And if you try to speak the truth,
1: they'll anthony boardane you, hang you, and use suicide to explain you. We don't all need to You know, labeling something organic, back to the previous topic, labeling something organic is absolutely ridiculous. That is the lowest standard of food. If you really think about it, it it should be, you
0: shouldn't have to label it organic and then you pay extra. (laughs) I mean, well, I mean, I mean, like that, like that doctor said before, it is no measure of health to be well adjusted to a sick society. We ought to put that on a shirt too. Yeah. I mean, all right, y'all. So we're going to get into QA. We're not going to, this is going to be a, I think we're actually going to make the time this time. We're only going to hit a couple. And the folks, remember, if you have any questions or any comments or anything you want to see expressed right here on the Pimpcast, remember, Billy at permapastorsfarm.com. Make sure you put uh, Pimpcast idea up in the uh, subject line.
1: Pimpcast question or something referenced so we know that
0: you're talking about a question. I get a lot of, a lot of stuff out there. Okay. This one comes from my buddy um, Ranjani Ranch. Uh, basic. I'm going to condense this a little bit. And he, he makes a real good point here. He says, this email came to me today and I thought you might find it timely, uh, idea for the PimpCast one in 10 farmers experiences a tractor rollover in their lifetimes and 40% are fatal, especially during harvest season. Good night. I didn't know that. I knew farming was dangerous, but man, I didn't know about well, that. Let
1: me tell you a story. <laughs> so I'm riding with, uh, Jeff Lawton, uh, we're going to pick up some Azola for the compost, which funny enough, Eric just sent us some Azola. So we're picking up, we're going to pick up some Azola from uh, the pond to add to our compost. Um, Super high in nitrogen. It's really good at activating your compost and you'll get some really good quality compost, especially with the gel structure and all that stuff. But um, I'm riding on the side of the tractor. I'm just kind of holding on and he's driving it over and we get to kind of a slant on the hill. And just matter of fact, he looks over at me and he's like, if we roll over, you're going to have to be athletic. <laughs> like, just left it as vague as that. <laughs> like, you're going to have to be athletic. Like, I'm going to all of a sudden turn into Spider-Man or something. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. And, and then I got stung by a bullet ant while we're hold, uh, harvesting the Azolla.
0: <laughs> that sounds painful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was.
0: Well, we're going to put that Azolla to work. Yeah. Um,
1: so rollovers.
0: Yeah, rollovers. And, you know, just this work in general, you know, it's always been our policy here, at least mine, that when, unless somebody's with us, we don't engage in anything that might be high risk. Like uh, William will be here and Michelle. I'm not going to be
1: harvesting any firewood while everybody's exactly.
0: So that's one of those things that unless we, I mean, it is, it can be, especially in this mountainous environment. I mean, there's a lot of things that are, Fundamentally dangerous.
1: So, even you might be thinking, well, you could just call 911 or something like that. We don't have service outside of the house. If I'm outside of the house, I don't have service. So, if anybody, if I were to get hurt or something like that outside, then I wouldn't be able to call anybody.
0: Well, there, I mean, there's so many different things, y'all. It's kind of our policy that whenever somebody's here by themselves, it's just maintenance. I mean, it's inherently dangerous anyway. So, we don't take any risks. When it comes to what we're doing around here, especially when somebody's, unless it's a buddy system, I mean, that's just how it has to be.
1: And I don't think the tractor rollover ever happens due to inexperience. Um, I think because whenever you first get on a tractor and you first start driving it, you're so terrified of the thing that you're so cautious about every little movement. I think the rollover really happens with experienced drivers that that get used to it and then don't really, they're thinking, oh, I've been on this hill. So many times.
0: Yeah, complacency kills, man, especially up in these hills. Yeah. I mean, it just makes farming that much more difficult. All right, the next one. Um, I really wanted to address this because we get we get this kind of stuff every once in a while. He says, I recently ordered this guy, Moses. Um, Thank you for your business, by the way. I recently ordered 10 Comfrey cuttings from you and planted them and nothing sprouted. I dug it up, dug it back up, didn't see any roots taking form. It's been over three weeks now. Uh, okay, so the number one thing we've run into when it comes to Comfrey is, is people are planting it, and it says in the instructions, please do not plant this in compost or any kind of rich soil. Um, don't put it in compost. Don't put it in potting soil. I know that seems counterintuitive, but it's like the the worse the soil, the better this stuff does, and you also got to water it. Yeah, I mean, you can't just put it in the ground and then leave it big. You have to establish well, it.
1: You can with comfrey. I don't suggest it at all. You can with comfrey, but you have uh, no say on when it pops up.
0: Exactly. It'll pop up
1: whenever it's ready.
0: Exactly. So if you put that root out there, um, and sometimes, honestly, it can take up to six weeks. So you got to you gotta be a little patient on this stuff.
1: I mean, if you plant it right now, depending on your location, it might not even pop up till like mid spring.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So keep that in mind. I mean, it takes a little bit of time for this stuff to come up. The crowns, which we hope to start selling next year, we're not ready to sell those yet. So right now we sell the roots, which work just fine. You're just gonna have to be a little patient, and you're gonna have to let it establish. Like William said, depending on where you are, uh, you may not see it. This, this, I mean, it's latent. You know, it's long in the tooth. You can yeah. plant it as long as you're able to work that soil, but yeah, you know, it, it's, you're just gonna have to be patient. That's all there is to it. Okay, this one here we got. Um, I'm not sure. You know, this guy comes from Scotland. His name is Rich. Uh, real awesome uh, email here. Says he's a uh, new subscriber, loves the show. I'm not sure what show he was talking about, whether it's the Pimpcast or otherwise. Hmm. But um, it, this one's just pretty cool. He says, Rich here in Scotland, just wanted to let you know we love your videos. And Okay, I guess he's talking about the videos. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Rich, anyway. Um, we got a podcast or a Pimpcast over here you might want to check out. Um Basically, what Rich is saying, he's over there in Scotland. He says, I'd love to buy your bone sauce to prevent deer from eating everything in the garden. But currently, uh, based in Scotland, UK, I don't think it's going to get past our customs and border security. Though I still have sisters in Florida and New Mexico. Okay. He says, if I move back to the U.S., I'll buy lots from you. You're a good man. love your family. And it shines through in all your shows. I thank you very much for that, Rich. Um, It goes to show awesome going back to that government thing. Yeah, Why can't I ship? I mean, I remember you were in Australia. We couldn't even send cookies to you.
1: It was the beef jerky. That's what got flagged. It was the beef jerky. And believe me, y'all, I was dying over there with those vegans. (laughs) (laughs) I needed the beef jerky. (laughs) No, that's what
0: floors me, man. All these idiotic rules are the reason they're not going to be, well, they're going to freeze to death over in Germany and all over, you know, all over France and Italy and everywhere else. It's stupid government rules. Why can't we send that over there?
1: Get rid of all the organizations and the problems are solved.
0: There you go. That's what's really get rid of government for the most part. I mean, they're not doing you any good, but many of you think out there that you're reliant on these people. Name one thing the government ever does. that made it cheaper or more efficient. I'm waiting. You ain't going to find it. You ain't going to ever find it. And they, and don't, if you tell me subsidies, well, no, that doesn't work in the long run. You're you're paying it out anyway. Well, you'll see here soon. Well, Rich says man he planted over 100 blueberry bushes, rhubarb, black currant varieties. I mean, sounds like he's got apple and pear, cherries and all these things going. Man, he's planted about 50 comfrey tubers in, pre- in preparations for his chickens and everything. Man, it sounds like he's uh he's really kicking it over there. Man, it is so awesome to hear Rich and so many of you other folks out there are telling me about these success stories and a lot of it you're saying you got from us. Well, you know, thank you so much for that. Well, I do you had to do it. it. I That's mean, right. you
1: really didn't get it from us. You just saw how to do it from us. Maybe. I mean, you still at the end of the day, how, how knew or had to do it? Like how many people have we given like straight up business plans to?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We've straight done up
1: business plans. Like all you had to do was do it and there's been no progress, made.
0: Yeah. It, that is really something. I mean, it's, I thought, that in light of these times, especially that more people would, that the idea would take root that, Hey, I need to get off and running. I need to get this yeah. business hopping and popping. And some of these men, it could be some fantastic. John Willis talks a lot about this too, Yeah, where you give somebody some fan they, they may come in with an idea. You may give them a tip or two. Look, dreams must be implemented with deeds. Look,
1: grumpy acres. I got to give it to them. They, John told them how to do the freeze dried candy and the freeze dried food and stuff, and they did it. They were at the last festival selling it, and they, I think they did pretty well as as well. Um, also, I told them about the, uh, willow, uh, water growth hormone for like root growth hormone. They did it and they sold a bunch there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're off and running. I mean, these are ideas that you gave them. I mean, there's another idea. I told them I wouldn't say anything about it. There's actually two of them. Um, Well, then don't say it. (laughs) No, I'm not going to say what it is yet. Um, I'm not going to say it, but we, we gave them the idea. I said, look, you want an idea right now that is going to blow up. Here it is. These are, you know, the rooting hormone and also the idea that I gave to these folks here. We could have easily done.
1: That rooting hormone, guys, really check out Grumpy Acres and get some of that rooting hormone. It is the willow water rooting hormone is insane. They can't create anything that's even half as good as the willow water. So, well, I mean, doing check it. that out.
0: They're doing it. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty awesome that when you give these, it's so many times, man, we give all these people, these ideas, some of them are friends and they never run with them. And then look, folks, you can't sit here and talk about how broke you are when you had an option to go out here. And, you know, we gave away, we literally give away fantastic ideas just to get more people out here saying, showing that it's possible to do, and also it's not a competition. I no, mean, it we isn't.
1: can't we can't do all these ideas.
0: We need somebody
1: to do all these ideas. Some of <laughs> we these need ideas, multiple people to do them. Some
0: of them we really could. I mean, yeah. the things we have given away, we could have done that. But the idea is is to encourage more people to get off and running and doing this. And so when I read an email from somebody like Rich or a number of others out there that are saying, hey. Um, I got to be honest with you folks when I meet you in person and you come up to me and you tell me what we did to inspire you it's it's weird it's embarrassing because honestly I'm not that special I'm really not we're nobody special here we're just showing you what we do and I can't begin to describe the amount of joy I get knowing that so many of you are off and running well y'all remember think about those passive systems and until next time y'all stay alert stay alive